Hello, this is the interview podcast. I'm your host, Blake Wright. Today's guest is Caleb Woodard. Of course, you already knew that because you clicked on this episode. He is an incredibly talented woodworker, sculpturer, artist. Um, it's kind of hard to define, but you'll just have to check out his work. It is very impressive, and I'm sure that you will really find it inspiring the way I did, and that's why I had him on the show. Um, if this is your first time here, please uh, check out the show on iTunes and Spotify and YouTube. Uh, subscribe, follow, leave a comment and review, whatever you want to do. Just do something to help support the show. You can follow Caleb at Caleb Woodard. That's C-A-L-E-B-W-O-O-D-A-R-D Furniture on Instagram. Uh, same thing for the website, CalebWoodardFurniture.com. Um, Seriously, if you don't know who he is, you should check him out because his stuff is incredible. You can follow the podcast on Instagram, interview pod. Follow along there so you can see who I'm interviewing next and uh, check out the back catalog as well. Thanks again for checking out the show and I hope you enjoy it. So you are in uh, LA? Yeah, I'm down in Los Angeles. Where are you located at? Just north of Nashville. Oh, cool! I've always wanted Tennessee. to go to Nashville. I'm from uh, I'm from South Texas, from Corpus Christi, Texas, uh, and I lived in Austin for a bit, and then we moved out here to LA. But yeah, I always wanted to go to Nashville. Yeah, it's it's um, I'm I'm, a ri- I'm from here originally, so I moved back here and brought the business back with me about uh, seven and a half years ago, and. Uh, I think the timing was perfect because in the age of the internet, location isn't location, location, location anymore. Totally. Um, so it doesn't seem to matter one, one bit where you are. So yeah, it's been, I tend it's been to good agree. for me. Yeah, I do tend to agree. Yeah. And, it, uh, you know, we've considered, like, why, why do we live in L.A.? But, uh, you know, I like it out here. And there's a lot of uh, – for me, I mean, I'm still – starting in the industry so it's good to be surrounded okay. by people who i can you know collaborate with and just good contacts here the industry sure is, does pretty well out here so it's good for me but you know to when you get to a certain point in your business it's like i could do this anywhere right right yeah well anyways uh yeah thanks for being on with me today caleb uh you i found your work probably like five or six months ago and uh it's just huge, okay. hugely inspirational to me. I think you're truly like a master at what you do, man. And it's uh, well, thank you. It's really cool work. Uh, how'd you get started? I appreciate that. So I got started. I grew up in a shop, made furniture and cabinets, and he always kept a shop going on. So that that's kind of my earliest formative memories is doing that. So growing up, um, he was always, he was a very traditional or is a very traditional woodworker. So a lot of hand joinery, dovetails, things like that. So I, I grew up learning all of that technique, the, Mm -hmm. the material. And, uh, but it was funny, even very, very early on, you know, he would be like, all right, let's make you a little box to go by your bed. And I would be like, well, let's carve something on the top. (laughs) Really? Or, 
yeah, why don't you make something useful? And I say, well, I just cut the wood and start reducing it down. So I had, I had these kind of instincts early on. And it's been interesting in that, you know, I, I went to college, got done. Didn't think you could make a, you know, I'm from Tennessee. I didn't think you could make a living making furniture. You got to figure that all of that time period coincided with imported goods, mm-hmm. uh, people's valuation, especially in a small town in the South of what something should, should cost uh, paying for that extra time. When I, I, did, I didn't think you could make a living making furniture. So I went to, got a business degree and, and uh, worked at a trade association in Washington, D.C. Especially how intricate your furniture is. It's like, how, how could I possibly justify all the man hours? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And then when I, uh, while I was there, I, I always was working with my, I would have projects in my apartment. I would have projects everywhere. Um, I took sculpture classes outside of Washington, D.C., I, um, through some contacts, I found a guy that needed part-time help on the evening and weekends at a furniture shop in Arlington, Virginia, right outside DC. And I started working with them and then slowly kind of started making, got a few commissions from friends, things like that. They wanted a coffee table, something else. And, um, also, you know, while I was still working uh, in the nights and weekends, uh, at the cabinet shop and, uh, decided to, to go out and, and try to do a, juried craft show art mm-hmm. craft show and uh, it was the mclean project for the arts i don't know if it still goes on or not i honestly don't know but you had to submit you know i don't know five six images of your work and uh, uh they had a jury of uh, people maybe maybe they were curators or local um you know non arts mm-hmm. you know heads or something like that and I got into the show, a bunch of pieces, probably about 10 twins. And there were some, you know, what I thought were some pretty interesting ideas. I thought that at the time. Um, and sold almost everything. Wow. And um, from that show, people were saying, well, I like this, but I need something this size. Would you be interested? And then it started this word of mouth mm-hmm. kind of growth. And before long, I was able to go part-time at my, my, my real job, the one that paid the, the bills and the mortgage and insurance and everything like that, and kept building up the business till I finally took the plunge, left that, and what was, was that like really establish a, a solid, it was really scary. Um, sure. I started in 08. Yeah. 08 is <laughs> not a good time to, uh, I, I formally started the business in 05, but I went full-time in 08. So, yeah, that's when you, you left know, your job. It's like, oh, Lehman, Bro- Lehman, Lehman Brothers is crashing. Let's build a business, you <laughs> yeah. know? Um, so, so, but, you know, D.C. was very insulated um, from all of that. So, mm-hmm. you know, when everything goes, goes, starts crashing in America, Washington, D.C., the money just pours in. So, you know, it wasn't like I was that brave. Um, it was still scary. It was very scary. Because um, you always imagine, oh, losing your house or, or, you know, some, some sort of apocalyptic scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think you ever really lose that to be honest, but, um, yeah, I did that and, and grew it and basically had a local business. I, you know, it was, I had a number of 
direct clients or some designers, some architects in the DC metro area that, that my, my business, I didn't have an internet presence. I didn't have, you know, anything like that, but I had, I had a solid business. And then after my wife became pregnant with our second child, we started thinking, you know, is this really the area for us? I mean, we were just, we're making it, but not great. Mm-hmm. You know, you, when you have children and you live in a big city and you don't get to enjoy any of it, but you have still have all the hassles of it. Right. Um, so we decided to move back here. And right around that time I had a friend um, came up to me and he said, Hey man, you should get on Instagram. I thought, ah, I'm not really <laughs> what will that ever do? people. <laughs> What you know, that's just something for high school kids. That's a yeah. bunch of nonsense. Um, I was pretty wrong. Um, and since it was a challenge, moving back here was a challenge of, of get, keeping the work going. And, but meeting it, it actually grew my business. Yeah. So um, it was, it was something I would never, regret even though it was scary at the time <laughs> yeah i mean your your work so, yeah is also, and, then, and then now you know now we do everything yeah your work is so visually striking it, it doesn't surprise me at all that it it caught steam on instagram either you know it's it's such a shareable image yeah um how do you define your style and i'm curious like in the early days when you were submitting to that show and you know your early work in dc did it look did it feel the same as your work does now or has it evolved over that time it has definitely evolved and when i first started the main thoughts in my mind were what is somebody going to buy mm. what are they going to buy what are they going to pay for i have bills to pay um what are the trendy things going on what um you know, just trying to keep trying to understand the design community. Um, sorry, I had a call come in here. Oh, um, I that maybe I was losing your connection. Um, really just focusing on is it no, sorry, is this a commercially viable product that I'm making? And, and I kind of have a point now where I, I don't mind admitting it. Man, the stuff was derivative. Mm-hmm. It looked like a bunch of, of Kashima with a twist on it or, um, uh, you know, there was a lot of people that I was influenced by that you could obviously look at any of those pieces and see that. Yeah. It was not that original because my focus was so much on what is somebody going to, and it took me years to shed that. Mm. And what's interesting is, the work that I'm doing now is closer to what I was doing when I was a child. Interesting. This instinctual work than what I started off the business doing. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like when you said, you know, working with your dad as a kid, carving things into, you know, your little bedside table or whatever. That's a, uh, I mean, you can definitely see that in your work today. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it's still kind of this um, a continual, ev- you know, evolution. Um, it's, um, it's still trying to figure out. Design is difficult 
um, I don't, I design art, whatever you want to, whatever, whatever it is, it's difficult in that you have to be educated. You have to be aware of what's going on because you can stumble upon something that you think is original and Hey man, right. sorry. Somebody did that in 1957. Yeah. Um, and so you have to be very aware. You have a, a certain amount of scholar, but you have to be aware. And then you have to shake it all off and find out what your thing is. Mm. And I, I firmly believe, I don't know if it's right, but I have to believe it that really great work is something that's very personal to the person. It's not, it's not this esoteric, it's not this learned knowledge mm-hmm. that it is something very much from, from within them. Yeah, and, and that agree. can take a, that sensibility and that, that sensitivity to yourself can take a long time mm-hmm. to be in tune, to be in tune with, yeah, especially you, when you're, when you're trying to make a living at it. Right. You have to get out of your own way and you follow your instincts. Right. Right. And, and like I say, that can be challenging when you're also relying on it, <laughs> trying to get someone to buy that from you. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So the lucky myself in this and still constantly in the process of discovering that and I'm fortunate enough that people want that. Hmm. So th- those two things came together and yeah. for, for many, for many, it does not. And that's, that's, right. that's a sad reality. Yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful thing when it does and it's, and you know, it's great to see that, that you are surviving and doing well off of your natural instinct and, you know, the ability that you've grown over time. Uh, so, I mean, the second part to that question, or I guess the first part, how do you define your style when, when someone asks, you know, what, what does your stuff look like? How, what do you say to that? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and it's a funny, it's a funny one because I talk to a lot of very smart people, very people that are just, they're not as compared to mine is just, just infinite almost critics and designers who have been in the industry for you know year decades um and it's i i'll here's some of the the common things that i get um they'll either say you know it's kind of like this 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 or this and i'm not sure (laughs) or they'll say um, I'm not, I, I, I'm trying to figure out your, you know, where, what box to put you in. Mm-hmm. And I can't quite figure that out. So even I, I, I get that a lot, even with the people that should know that answer better than I. And, um, to me, it's almost like the best compliment you can get. Yeah. I, um, I think that is what your goal. Your goal is always. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just saying, I think that is what interested me about your work so much is that it's so unique. Yeah. I think we've got a pretty bad delay. Yeah, we do. <laughs> um, but yeah, trying try to do singular work is, is, is everyone's challenge, I think, or it should be. Um, there's a lot of people that, that have made good careers. I'm doing period work mm-hmm. or um, a twist on a very current narrative. You know, because things do go in, in, in waves, stylings do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so right now you see a lot of common, and um, I don't know how it's even fine at this point. Maybe it's uh, 
a lot of big chunky round legs and you know there's this certain kind of style that's 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 popular People, you know the mid-century thing is still going strong and so it's, it can be you know not as much as it used to be but there were a lot of current makers making you know that kind of period furniture right. um but there are there are some but not many who i would say are doing very singular work right now mm-hmm. mm. uh, outside of you know your natural intuitiveness where are you mm-hmm. finding inspiration for your pieces um that's a very good question and um what i have start learned to do more recently um is to stop trying to look out try to say this in a way that doesn't sound like there's any odd any in it but trying to stopping to look for inspiration outside of my own work yeah um what i what i will try to do now is look at the work that i've done mm. and look at it through the eyes of, of as though it wasn't i were not the one who made it mm-hmm. and say how can i prove do that to have that kind of body of work but i i found for myself that if i'm just keeping a portfolio of inspiration images of other work um, that I, I have a hard time escaping from it. Mm. And, and I feel like you rely too much on the themes that you see in that. Correct. And um, it can, be, it could be derivative um, and it's hard to not be derivative. I've done things that I thought were, I had never seen it before. I thought it was the greatest thing in the history of things, which it wasn't. Um, and then I'll get some comment. He goes, hey, I had, I had a great one about a year ago where I had done a piece that I thought no one had ever done. And this guy direct messaged me. And he said, I love your stuff, blah, blah. It reminds me so much of this catalog that I found at a yard sale. All right, so get this. <laughs> there was a black and white um show catalog from like 1970 something mm-hmm. early 70s and there was this california maker that had made this piece and man i kid you not it looked exactly like mine yep <laughs> i googled this guy couldn't find anything on this person uh-huh. and it was like man like yeah. You know, somebody came to the same conclusion as me, Palo Alto or somewhere in California in 1973. And I wish you could meet that person. <laughs> it's a well-deserved, dude, it is a well-deserved humbling is what it is. Yeah. I mean, it is, sometimes you need the air popped out of your balloon. You really do. Yeah. Um, yeah and, that- and it keeps you, keeps you hungry, keeps you humble. Yeah, I've had that same thing happen to me two or three times where it's like, oh, this is a great idea. Why hasn't anyone done this? And then you, you know, model it out or whatever, do some research and realize, oh, this exact same thing has been done already. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's 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 always a challenge. So I mean, as far as how to to, to define the style, I, I really don't know. It's um um you, you could say it's organic, um, some of it. Uh, or a lot of it. 
I, I don't know. Maybe you could tell me. I don't know. <laughs> it's a, <clears throat> it's one in its own. You know, it's its own category, I guess, at this point. Um, the, I love the the graphic inspiration in your pieces, like the the stuff that you incorporate. It almost looks like crop circles sometimes. It's got this kind of ethereal nature to it, and uh, I, I really like it, man. It's it's so cool looking. Yeah, thanks. It's it's always. Um, <clears throat> A lot of times when I'm when I'm looking at pieces, um, you know, I had I had kind of originally thought I was going to be a, a, a like a, a a pure artist. I didn't. I found out that I'm just I'm not a great artist type. Like that's just not me. I'm just not. I, it'd be hard for me to this day. You know, somebody says, well, you know, oh, you're an artist. I go, well, you know, I have a hard time accepting the the, the moniker. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is, without a doubt, um, something that is very, very rewarding on a, uh, for approaching a functional piece from that uh, artist perspective. In that you want to attach a deeper meaning to it. You want to you want to attach a, a emotional value to the work. Um, and I, and so when I just figured out, I wasn't really going to be, you know, an artist, a full-time artist, you know, pure artist. Um, I thought about, okay, well, how can I, my goal then will be to give the sensibilities that I do have, the artistic sensibilities I do have and try to put them onto furniture because why not? Who's to say that the art value of the thing that hangs right here is not as great or is greater than the thing that sits right below it. Yeah, of course. And, and, and why can't they all have that, that intention, that, that, uh, that purpose. So, you know, the circles, the things like that, trying to um, evoke something when a person walks into the room, how things shadow um, the layers, what's the emotional response from, from everyone. You know, it's, it's, that's a lot of what I, what I try to do. Hmm. What's a, what's like a dream project for you? What, what do you go after and what is something that you would love to, to work on? I don't know. Um, You know, I've had so many great projects um, I used to think it would be something of considerable, considerable scale, but we've done somewhat large pieces and I didn't get the enjoyment out of them that I thought I would. Hmm. The process is so long. Yeah, of course. Um, and there's a weariness, you know, halfway through or, or sooner. Um, and then once it's out the door, you're just glad to be over with it. It is. And, you know, that, that exhaustion can, can affect decision-making in mm-hmm. the final third or final quarter or final fraction, you know, you know the, and, and the final bit is, carries a lot of weight. Um, we've got some projects that are coming up 
that I'm very, very excited about. I would say in general, it's just whatever the next thing is. You know, I don't make a lot of things twice. Mm. There's, there's some pieces that are styled that I do a lot of. Um, you know, different, different sizes of them or whatnot. Um, but, and, and, and sometimes it's rewarding to do a piece that you enjoy again in a kind of a different style or color or something like that. Um, but mostly I just get excited about a new idea that might be good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of hope that I think is, is important in the creative process that what you're going to do is going to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of, you know, one of the, one of the things that kind of makes up how you ha- how you set your mind when you're trying to be creative is that hope. And, um, the, there is probably one of the most exciting things is when you get really hopeful about, about something new, it doesn't always work out, but yeah. that hope is exciting. I think that's where, you know, even though it's hard to embrace the moniker, I think that's where you shine as an artist that, you know, you're not, you're not pumping out the same thing, you know, day after day, but you're always kind of looking toward the next project. And that might be why it's hard to find a dream project because you're, you know, constantly dreaming up new ideas and coming up with, uh, you know, new challenges for yourself. Yeah. And, you know, I think that if I were to think about a dream project, it would in some way be associated with this will get me to the next place in my career, mm-hmm. which is what a lot of people's dream projects really are about. Yeah. A level and, up. Uh, yeah. To, to level up in, in you know, people's appreciation for you. And I have found that just to be a waste of emotion. <laughs> it is a um, yeah. it's setting a bar that you can't you can't reach. Yeah. Um, or if you do, it's it's just it's just that. It's real mm-hmm. quick. So it's better to set your mind just to be excited about the possibilities of what you're currently focused on mm. um, and, and how that could be as, as good as possible. Yeah. And that, that will just give you this daily satisfaction, this eagerness to be up and about it. Um, than you know, the leveling up thing, mm-hmm. because the other, the other interesting thing about the leveling up thing is, leveling up according to what right right well, it's just opinions or your own opinion of yourself not only that it is how do we know what the next level is well we see this mm-hmm. so then we're in this comparison game right mm-hmm. we're in this which which quickly devolves into this envy game yeah and you know one, one of my favorite um, quotes about that was Jerry Saul and he says artists have to make an because what you are if, if leveling up to that other person that you that you perceive as successful is motivating you strongly uh man that's 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 it's like a rope made out of barbed wire you're, you're it's it's just a brutal climb yeah um so so yeah it, man i think i think if you if if i could advise people on what to get excited about it's just discovering what their thing is. Mm. That's, that's where, you know, the satisfaction will come because everything else is just comparison. That really is the true journey of an artist is discovering what, what your personal style is and what your niche is and, you know, what, 
what actually excites you and uh, pushes you as an artist because yeah. you know like you said your journey started is mostly trying to make ends meet and you realize like oh I'm actually good at this I should keep doing this but then finding your own your own thing is so difficult and some people stumble right into it and others never find it and then you know there's right all uh places in between but that really is i think that's what people should be fighting for i think so too and um it's confusing i think right now for a lot of a lot of people um and i think i don't have anything against conceptual art but i think it confuses a lot of people in that um they whether they would understand how it's kind of gotten their brain or not, but there's that they can kind of fast track the craft side of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that, Oh, if the idea will be enough. And what I try to advise people on is, you know, there might be some, some of those who can tape a banana on a wall and it's, <laughs> and it's highly appraised. Right. But for most everyone else, you really, really need to hone your craft because whatever yeah. you have, in your brain the message will not come across your your voice will not be clear in that so you'd better you know you'd better make sure you you know exactly correctly and and, and don't cheapen on that mm. um do the work take your lumps learn the hard way put in your yeah man put in your ten thousand hours or whatever it is you know that that it takes to master something um, and that was something I had to learn the hard way as well. You know, that that's one of the main things I wanted to talk to you about was mm-hmm. I feel like nowadays it is rare that somebody really masters their craft. Um, and maybe I'm wrong about that, but that's the way I feel. And, uh, you know, when I saw your work, it's just immediately present in my mind. Like, oh, this is a master. They've figured out everything there is to know about this wood sculpture. And, uh, you know, it shines. It's like it, it's just immediately apparent that this you know i guess it could be made with a cnc but knowing that it isn't it's like oh this this is really unique and special yeah i mean i i guess the propaganda is good if, if you think I'm, i've mastered everything there is to know about woodworking <laughs> i have not um i still get uh i still make tons of mistakes i still have um you know because a lot of the stuff that we do is really pushing the envelope as far as what would will or will not do and oh man i still have oh that cracked ah, could yeah. fix that uh, it still happened not that much um but it does happen um as far um but yeah it's taken a lot of hours um a lot of hours some of that um I, one thing i would like to be clear is that um, there's a danger to go the other way as well. And there's a lot of people I know, especially in the woodworking community, because that's one I'm not really involved in, but um, where they think that the craft will get you all the way. Mm. Oh, if I do the world's most beautiful dovetails, or, right. you know, it's this, that, or the other. And at the end of the day, what was made isn't, especially appealing mm-hmm. so the craft doesn't necessarily it does not get you all the way you got to have the two the two things have to marry yeah very very well 
you walk um, that line gracefully. Well, you try. Um, um, I do try, and I still I, I still make a lot of mistakes, and there's a lot of pieces that are not successful. I try not to post those. Um, <laughs> I try to send them in the you know the the design you know the designer asks for images. I don't include those in there. Um, but it happens. I think when you've been doing it a long time, you don't necessarily make bad pieces, but but then your fear becomes that the thing is just meh. Right. It's eh, worse pedestrian. than pedestrian. Yeah, it almost is, right? Mm-hmm. It's um it's almost if it was so bad it was good or something. Right. Um but yeah, meh is is a real if if it's so it's, bad, it means that you were taking some kind of chance. So I think that's oh, the, more valuable. Oh, for sure for sure mm-hmm. you know another another one of my favorite quote wendell castle he had one of his rules for you know the shop I how many rules there were but uh one of them is if you hit the um if you hit the bullseye every time you're staying too close to the target <laughs> that's a great quote it's a great one and he is probably more than anyone else uh an inspiring figure for me mm-hmm. and and here's the funny thing i hope none of his family are listening to this but I probably only like and five percent of what Castle did mm-hmm. of the, of that that five that five percent. I mean, I like, but when you look at his like history of work, and he you know he was what they consider with the the you know the father of the studio furniture movement. Um, man, that dude went off every which way. Mm-hmm. there were some periods in there that you're like that he did that like that was there was like a weird clock phase in the 80s and and you know there was some it was almost like memphis style stuff that because that mm-hmm. was trending at the time and when he brought back his final work which is his best stuff everyone really agrees on it so i'm kind of just following the you know follow along with it but um you know stuff that was at benda and the carpenter's workshop gallery those places that was work that he had originally conceived of 30, 40 years ago and wow. went back to it. Yeah. Um, so that was that, but I admire the guy because man, he was never short of ideas. He was fearless. He kept trying so many different things. He never got into a box and stayed there. Yeah. That's, that's a really scary thing to do, you know, especially if something's resonating to not not follow that movement but stay true to what you're interested in doing that that's scary i think so and um you know once again i think it just it 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 comes down to you know these these blessed couple things have to come together you have to be this very intuitive personal creator that it also has a um that people want Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's a reason why so many great artists died penniless, right? You know, the timing wasn't right. Uh-huh. Um, um, but we admire those few as some of the greatest because they did stick to their guns mm-hmm. while they were doing it. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a tricky thing. And I, man, I, I, have, I feel beyond blessed. Like I am so, I'm one of the fortunate few that really loves and it feels like he is you know trying hard to do his 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 thing and also there there's a clientele for that 
yeah, it's, it's really awesome. And I, I do believe there is, you know, there's a market out there for everything. It's just finding that audience that is, you know, hard, it's difficult. And it's, you know, I guess, rarer today. Uh, yeah, it's, it's so saturated. And, you know, even on Instagram, there's so many millions of makers out there that, you know, how do you find your audience? And it seems yeah. like you've done that pretty well. Yeah. And one of the, one of the, the decisions that I made um, relatively early on um, because back in, you know, when I first started doing this in uh, the mid aughts, um, I, I, you know, I started, you know, kind of looking at what, what all was going on at the time in the strong mid century um, kind of line you know, the moderns, you know, lines like that. And um was looking at looking at like knew it would be saleable did some stuff like that and, and then I thought to myself why would I get into this crowded pool you know yeah. Yeah. if I, I I think if I had studied that particular aesthetic I could have maybe even convinced myself that, that was my thing I could have yeah. been so into it of course you know that was my focus every day mm-hmm. um I am the new Danish modern or whatever, you know, it, this is, this is who I am. I yeah, could have could identified with it. Oh, I could have, I could have. Um, but I started to think like, why would I do that? Why would I want to, you know, it'd be like going to North Carolina and trying and making Adirondack chairs. Like, why would you do, why would you do that? And I thought, I figured it would be better to try to do my own thing and have to capture a good enough portion of a smaller market than to try to compete in this, in this massive market. Um, so that was, that was really the basis for what I did. I'm sure in the long run, you're much happier this way. You get to explore your artistic nature. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Uh, it's challenging. It's frustrating all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I, I look at the list of, how many designs are due and everyone now has the expectation of something a little different yeah. every single time. And there's times I'm just sitting there going, ah, <laughs> and you only show your best work. So everyone's expecting the best. Yeah. Yeah. There are, there aren't that many that don't get shown. Um, <laughs> actually, you know, it's not like there's a whole, there's a back warehouse full of yeah. <laughs> the bee. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'm always curious about, uh, furniture makers and artists, the pieces that you live with, you know, does your house look like the style of things that you make or does, does your family like it? Like, is it, is it at all resonant towards, you know, your wife and your family? So, um, you know, I always kind of had the dream that that would be the case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, basically basically there's you know here here is mine and, and my home yeah. is you know the home is the wife's okay um, there there are pieces there um for sure but and there and there will be more it's also just a matter of time yeah um time to make you know the cobbler's children have no shoes um <laughs> time to make all of those things and especially now that you know okay well say we need a new decide to get a sideboard, you know, by the dining table, how am I going to separate out mm-hmm. 
350 hours to make the thing that I want to make <laughs> for my house and still make money. Yeah. Like, you know, that's, that's a big challenge is I didn't pick an easy one, you know, to make my home projects from. Yeah. I mean, the pieces you make are life pieces. So, you know, you've got yeah. plenty of time. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, I think that, um, I'm going to try to, to have to get some more pieces done, um, for my home. But at the same time, um, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me really at all that I'm surrounded by my stuff True. for most of my waking hours. I don't need to have, you know, right before I close my eyes, there, <laughs> there, it, it, you know, that maelstrom cabinet kind of dims down right before I fall. So it doesn't, that uh, doesn't, that's doesn't mean that much. Uh, <laughs> what does your team look like nowadays? So uh, there's myself and three other woodworkers here. Mm -hmm. So small studio. Um, we I have zero plans of growing it. Cool. Um, that's it. We're just we are what we are, and the lead times are what they are, and you know that's it. That sounds like a great um, place to be in. Yeah, I mean. Um, I, you know, what's the, what's the options? Um, am I running a huge business? Mm -hmm. Am I, um, am I a business person? Is that <laughs> my job? You know what I mean? Yeah. Really? Um, no, this is, this is a nice size. And then also are we spending all our time just training new people? Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, everyone here, everyone's been here for at least five and a half years. Wow. So, and you know, it takes a long time. It doesn't, you know, the craft part, if you, if you find someone that cares, really cares and has just, they don't have to be geniuses. They're just, you know, basically smart, basically intelligent, but they care and they've got a good work ethic. Uh, you can teach anyone um, how to, how to do anything. I, I believe that if they care, hmm. um, but learning, learning kind of your, your sensitive, your sensibility, um, to where they know if they don't know the answer to the question, they know to go ask. Mm -hmm. And so most of the questions I get every day is, Hey, do you want that rounded order like that? I just want to make sure. Yeah. Um, you know, so, um, that, that's, that's a hard thing to come by. Otherwise, you're just sitting there beside, you know, the person all day long. Mm -hmm. um, so no, this is, this is nice. It's like a little family here. Everyone gets along really well. Um, everyone's able to make a living. And uh, it's, to me, it feels like a, a really, really good balance right now. That's awesome, man. For, for people who are interested in learning, um, not necessarily woodworking or furniture making, but the carving. I feel like that's what really sticks out in your work. Um, what, what's a good way to get started in that? Like what's an essential toolkit and how should they get started in learning? I think a lot of it, man, there's so many YouTube mm -hmm. videos out there. There's so many different styles that you can do. Um, I get asked that a lot. Um, 
you know, the kind of the style of carving that we do isn't a very traditional. So it's not like, oh, here's the, the, the seven different gouges you need and whatnot to do an acanthus leaf, you know, on a, on a historic ball and claw leg or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have, I mean, I've got a, quite a few carving tools, but not, not to the extent that someone who's doing historic work does. Because I typically have what I need to get across what I'm, what I'm exactly trying to do. I would say just, just get a few basic gouges and a chip knife, learn how to sharpen them, learn how to learn, learn the grain. Um, you know, just watch the videos, find the things that appeal to you and then, and, and get good at them and then try to, um, you know, come up with your own language that utilizes that mm. carving wood carving is not an easy thing to elevate. Mm. And that's the other thing. Um, you know, wood carving has been around as long as there was a piece of wood and a sharp thing to, to scratch <laughs> on it with. Right. I mean, it's been around yeah. forever, forever. So it's, it's, it's a very, it's, it's a difficult medium to, to elevate it can, it can be folksy. It can be, there can be a naivety about how it's done. Um, you know, and if somebody's trying to make a living at, you know, for all the hours that they put into it, it's very easy for a piece to look low end depending mm. on, on how it's done. That makes sense. Yeah. And um, so I, I think, yeah, just, just pick up, you know, gouges gouges and a, and a chip knife um and um and just start piddling around with it and mm-hmm. figure out if uh if that's the thing you want to do it's a lot of work i mean it's a <laughs> it lot of certainly seems like it it is man i don't know how i love it but for someone getting into it to say all right those drawer fronts you're going to sit down in front of them for 100 hours um, and then to find someone, you know, the clientele for that, I, it would, if you were to ask me to start over in this, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I have the, I'm too old, man. I don't have the, I don't know if I had the energy for all those unpaid hours. Like I did once before. Is that the kind of time you put into these pieces? They'll vary. Um, you know, we did a, we did a, um, a sideboard, a big cabinet a while back. And I figured we had about 350 hours in it. Wow. Um, we're doing a, uh, a carved wall right now that will be, it's about 13 feet wide, nine and a half feet tall. And there's elements that go across the ceiling for about 11 and a half feet. Jeez. And by the time that is done based on, you know, the, the specific piece where you just kind of figure out how many textures per square, square inch there's going to be about a million textures <laughs> on this piece it's incredible so it takes a while um but you know we've got time to do it um you know and that 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 hour count that's kind of all in that's going to include case build you know drawer boxes sanding finishing all the milling all the Mm -hmm. starting from you know start to finish you know one end to another and so usually on a piece like that 
you know, there'd be one, you know, maybe two people working on it at all, always at any given moment, hmm. even though they're doing completely separate tasks. One person's just hand up tailing the drawer boxes and another person's making the back paneling or, you know, so on and so forth. How do you, how do you divvy up the work with your guys? You know, do you feel confident to let them do the final um, sculpting on the front? Or are they just doing kind of nuts and bolts stuff? Um, there are certain parts of the shaping that they might do or something like that. Um, some of them have gotten pretty good at it to where they've done it enough to where, you know, I always draw at the very least everything. Cool. And I usually have my hand on it. I, mean, I always have my hand on the piece at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it is they'll rough away most of the material based on what I've drawn and I come and tune everything. Gotcha. And then I pass it back off down the line for the final sand fitting, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And because we've also always got like three or four projects going on at any given time, um, everybody's got their strong suits. So, you know, like uh, one of the guys here, Elliot, he's really, really good at, at the case builds and, and doing all that, which is fine by me because, <laughs> um, you know, before they were well-trained and when I started off my career, I did all of that. Yeah. I don't really enjoy doing joinery. I don't really enjoy prepping the material, milling it, all the joints, all the fitting, everything. He loves that part. So it's cool. Dude, you have that. Um, <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. And also because, um, you know, because now there's so much time is spent in uh, uh, um, a ton of upon hours just doing layouts hmm. on a thing before anything gets taken away. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it take a day. It, sometimes it feels like it almost takes longer to draw and lay it out than that might actually be to carve it or something like that. Wow. Um, now, granted, that's because I'm erasing a lot and going, no, <laughs> let's, yeah. let's do this here. Um, but also, um, a, a lot of what takes the time, too, is that they are not fully formed pieces when, the, when we start. Mm. Um, so almost everything that we do, there's a general concept given for what we're going to do. Um, and, but then the piece evolves dramatically. This is what it will be. And I make sure that every, every client that we have, they're very clear that this is just the rough idea. Mm. I, I can't. What's it going to look like at the end? I don't know. Yeah, of course. So yeah. when, you, when you're um, giving clients an idea of that, does that mean that you kind of draw out the, the idea beforehand? Most of them want a rough sketch, at okay. least, of what it will look like. A lot of them as well, there will be a, um, a carving sample done mm. of kind of the, the, that kind of represents – like the different methods. It's not all, it's not everything, but the main theme of the piece of the work. Mm. Um, and then I have some who just say, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> just do, do your thing. You do your thing, man. <laughs> I wouldn't try to tell you what to do. Yeah. Uh, the longer you're doing it, the less you get people trying to, trying to, uh, to direct. Yeah. That, that's where I would like to be <laughs> in my career as well. 
I'm going to tell you, man, if people talk about all different types of tipping points and stuff like that, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. That's a big one in that um, they don't try to art direct you. Yeah, that's huge. Mm-hmm. That uh, That's a good representation that you're doing something right, for sure. Yes. Um, and uh, I think um, that what will, if I could give some advice, um, try to, if you have, if you have, say, a new designer come in and they're looking for uh, a piece from you, try to slow it down a little bit as much as you are brave enough to do and ask that they show the client. I don't know if you work with designers mostly or, or the end client, but if it's, if it's designers, I recommend you try to move towards working with designers Mm -hmm. and architects as they look at your work first, tell you what's, you know, and then see what you say, let's look, let's do that. And then let me know what work speaks to them the most. Mm. And then we'll, and then we'll work out the final detail. You need to, there, there is an idea of expectation that you need to be very clear about that, that they're, that they're collecting a piece Right. And um, also that if you don't ever meet the, the client, they know who you are. They have a familiarity with you and your name. Yeah. And if you're trying to get into art furniture, I don't know for what better word to describe it, but you know, that's, these that's perfect, these collectible pieces, right? Mm-hmm. If you're trying to move towards collectible design, um, that you're kind of early in on the design process in that, oh, we need a brown piece for the corner. Let's find a brown piece for the corner, right? Um, yeah, just try to um, try to find those clients that greatly appreciate you from the start mm. rather than there is an expectation of what will look good in the room. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah, that that does make sense. And I, I totally see, you know, where that idea is coming from. It's, it's, you know, at the base level, you know, that they're going to appreciate whatever you give them, because they were fans from from the start. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. There, There is there is also the fact that when you get into um, certain works, the value is very, very subjective, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I, if somebody comes to me for a table, if I screw together a bunch of two by fours and made a flat top, you know, is it going to hold their plate up any worse? <laughs> really? Yeah. Function is, function is, is established. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's happening there. Right. So having that, um, having that person appreciate your sensibility and, and wanting them to be excited about having something from your hand is something you should really, really try to go towards. Mm-hmm. And that's why that's another reason why I always try to push people when they're designing their work to just think, think very strongly about what the emotion is that they're trying to get across because everything has an emotion. It really does. And people tend to think of only in terms of, of design, but really it's, it's, it's emotion they should be focusing on. Say you're into modernism, right? Well, a lot of people that are into modernism, you know, they, they want the, 
you know, some Finule chairs or, um, you know, Wegner, whoever it may be. Um, there is, there is an emotion there of, of a life that is in order, that is very clean and organized. And there's my, there is no chaos here. Um, and, but when you're trying to get into, and, and that's the design side of things, but when you're trying to get into small production, um, studio furniture, things like that, I really try to encourage people to, to think about the, you know, what is, when someone walks into a room, what will be the emotional impact of the piece? Mm. And, and it's, if it was easy, I'd nail it every time. It's not. <laughs> of course. Um, but it does work that way. Wow. It does work. So, you know, I think that the hand, I'm lucky in that the hand work that we do imparts that pretty strongly. Mm -hmm. You know, it's obvious. It's right in your face. Yeah, of course. I, uh, I really resonate with that sentiment there and uh, I really appreciate it. I'm glad that that's, uh, you know, I'm glad that you said that, you know, that's a good ending to this conversation. Uh, and it, I think it's a good representation of where you're at and where your work's at. Um, I, I think that anyone who listens to this should definitely go check you out. Uh, where can people find you online? Um, I mean, you know, um, normally people just, just Caleb Woodard, uh, you know, just, uh, furniture on, on Instagram seems to be, you know, uh, where most people, we don't have a, you know, there's a website and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, they just punch it in or something like that. It comes up pretty quick. Cool. Yeah. And I'll have a link to that in the, in the notes of this show as well. Uh, Caleb, thanks again for being with me. I know you're a little short on time, so we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, yeah, it was an honor to have you on the show, man. Uh, had a great time talking to you and I hope we can meet in person someday. Anytime, man, you're welcome to come here and visit anytime you'd like. Sweet. I'll uh, hold you to that someday. <laughs> please do. I'm not, I'm not just saying this cause we're on a podcast, but go please do. <laughs> I, I love having visitors. Yeah. Likewise. If you're ever in Los Angeles, uh, give me a ring. Awesome, man. We'll do. All right. Have a good day, man. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Peace.